So hey guys, we are back for another podcast, and I think you're going to love this one. Uh, this is in, We're going to have uh, Instagram's Hoosier HVACR, that's Dave Elliott, Hoosier underscore HVACR, and uh, he's a service tech that lives in uh, Illinois, I believe, Indianapolis, and uh, in the Indi- or Indiana area. Where do you live, Dave? I'm about an hour south in Indy. Indy. So, but you're in Indiana, not, not Illinois, yes. but Indiana. And, um, and so of course we got some sponsors. I really want to thank because they do make this possible. I want to thank Choice Refrigerants. Uh, they're the ones that make the drop in refrigerant of R421A. Total drop in. Don't need to do any oil changes. Don't need to do anything fancy. No apps. Just recover, repair, gas and go. Uh, if you're used to using R22, then you can use 421A with no problems. Uh, also, I want to thank Cool Air Products. They've got all sorts of great stuff, including their Jet Gun Portable Power Washer. You're going to love it, and that's the Jet Gun. Uh, Interplay Learning, of course, the best online HVAC, electrical plumbing, refrigeration, solar, online training, anywhere. You can find them at interplaylearning.com. You're going to love it. It's it's amazing training. And, of course, Supco. Uh, you can check them out at subco.com, and they have the Subco Trade Fox series of tools that are invented by Techs for Techs, and they've got all sorts of cool stuff. You heard me talk about like the cool presser, and they've got coil brushes and mag jumpers, and the umbrella, of course, the the Subco Trade Fox umbrella. They got so much stuff; it's crazy what they got. So a few years ago, Dave showed up, I think maybe more than a few years ago, Dave showed up on Instagram and come to find out Dave is an old guy like me. He just looks way better. And he got into the trade in around 1991, uh, which meant he was probably going to school around 1989, 90, and then maybe doing something. But we're going to be talking to Dave to find out his background. We're going to talk about tools and all sorts of stuff. So welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. What what do we need to know about you? I mean, do you, are you a second generation tradesman? Are you not? Are you first? Was mom or dad or grandpa or uncle in the trade? How did you get into HVAC? Well, I'm actually a first. Uh, my dad was a truck driver. And, uh, you know, growing up as a kid, you always think, well, I'm going to do what my parents do. And, you know, my dad was like, no way, you're not going to drive a truck for a living. So, uh, you know, we used, we grew up, uh, I grew up, you know, we had an oil furnace for heating. Uh, we had a window unit for AC. We didn't have central air until I installed a unit later on in life. Um, you know, the oil furnace guy that would come and work on our furnace, you know, I, I would bug the crap out of him, uh, ask questions, and I got a little intrigued about it. And then later on, you know, when it's time to decide, hey, what are you going to go to school for? That's that's what I picked. Had really no knowledge of it, no friends, uh, family members that I could reach out. So just kind of on a whim, I, I went to a trade school and and here I am now. Yeah, but there's there's more to that. Let's go back to dad being a truck driver. Was, was dad an OTR, meaning over the road, or was he local delivery? He was over the road for probably the first 15 years of his life driving the truck. Um, my dad probably started having health issues early 40s. 
uh, he, at the time before they, I don't know, before they started with the stints, you know, they used to do like a triple or bypass where they would take like, you know, part of the veins or arteries out of your legs and put it in your heart. Well, he had that done. And uh, that's a pretty major surgery. You're like laid up for almost six to nine months. So my dad went through that twice, two different times. So as a kid growing up, I started working on a turkey farm when I was 11. Uh, If I was going to have anything extra, I was going to have to earn it, uh, money for it. And, you know, I I pretty much worked off and on since I was 11 years old. And uh, that working on the farm and the turkey houses, that was pretty hard, nasty work. But, uh, you know, my dad eventually, I want to say probably 50s, right? I'm 48, so I'm getting pretty close to his age when he finally got the stint. And, you know, he's been well ever since. That was a a really life-changing thing they came out with. And uh, I was glad he got it because otherwise he probably would not be with us today. I used to work at a hospital, and I've done this podcast before. I worked at a hospital that did open heart, and I've seen him crack the ribs, and I've seen him pull the vein out of the leg and do a bypass. It's it's crazy what, you know, to think about what they do medically. So I'm, is your dad still with us? Yes, yes. Is he yeah, still, is he driving? No, he, uh, he retired probably, let's say 2005. But... It would, it would, if I assume, and tell me if I'm wrong, that your dad instilled between the farm and driving a truck, which is hard because I consider drive, truck driving blue collar. Between the oh, two yeah. of them, he instilled a value, a work ethic, I would assume. Yes. And then with that work ethic, understanding that, wow, did you? I don't want to drive a truck like my dad. And then instead you went and followed the oil burner guy into trade school. Yeah, that's pretty much. Or did dad say you're not driving a truck? Well, my dad, the whole driving the truck thing, he was totally against that. I mean, I, I almost went into the military, but there wasn't really at the time anything, you know, I wanted to pursue because uh, obviously the idea of wanting to go in there was to learn a trade. Um, you know, I, I had a couple little opportunities for some real small schools to go. Uh, you know, I ran cross country in high school. And not to get off track, but, you know, I lifted weights in high school. Uh, but I went to a school, Mike, that when I graduated, we had 13 seniors. It was the smallest class we had ever had, but that's the kind of small school I went to. So it wasn't like we had a football team. But that's probably what I should have played. Mm-hmm. But I ran cross country and, you know, I didn't really have a great coach. Uh, he pretty much drove us to the meets and we were kind of on our own. I just, as soon as the gun went off, I ran as hard as I could for as long as I could. And, you know, just sheer, uh, you know, wasn't going to give up as, as how I was as successful at that. But, uh, I, I don't. I don't think it would have made a good college runner. Uh, you know, I, I was told by one high school coach that, you know, 
I had like the worst form he'd ever seen, but the willpower was the most he'd ever seen also. Mm-hmm. When you went in, when you decided to go to air conditioning school and the small town that you lived in, was there a school close by or did you have to move or did was it a long commute? It was an hour commute each way. And where was the school at? Uh, it was Columbus, Indiana. And what was the program like? Was it a big program, a little program? Uh, I mean, it was a two-year associate's degree, but it was it was a small program. I mean, they had a, a nice shop. They had a lab that had uh, you know quite a bit of equipment. Uh, they had an instructor that was had been in the trade for probably twenty-five years. He seemed to be knowledgeable. Um, you know, I was I was in the in school for about six months before I finally got hired on, uh, you know, with the first company that I worked for about 11 and a half years. And that's when stuff started kind of clicking. But I, you know, the first semester, 18 years old, uh, you know, they would sit and read through some of that stuff. And that was like, I mean, it was like talking about NASA stuff. You know, I didn't really understand it. Uh, the schooling uh, ended up being real, uh, looking back, really broad basics. Uh, but, you know, if I was going to recommend to anybody, you know, definitely try to get on and work as you go to school at nights or something because it's hard to really grasp uh, some of the information. But, I mean, that was 30 years ago. I mean, now, you know, there's uh, so much more information, too. Right. So when when you got into the program and then got out of school, you and I were in that. Well, I was in the trade for five years already doing whatever. You, you were coming out. We both kind of paralleled each other as far as dealing with stuff. Like when I got out of the trade um, we or got into the trade, we didn't have to recover anything. There was no recovery. We could vent. Nobody knew about CFCs. You know, you could dump 502, dump 2212. Nobody cared. You know, we weren't recovering anything. No cell phones, no smart, you know, devices. Did you experience that growing up in a small town and working in a small town? Yeah, I can remember, uh, you know, I, where I, I drove a half an hour to work. Uh, I worked in Seymour, Indiana, was where my first job was. And I remember being on top of a nursing home on a big package unit. And my boss just told me it was R11. He's like, we put some process tubes in. He's like, just run it till it clears up coming out. And, you know, there wasn't a thought in the world at that time of, you know, if there was anything that we could be doing to damage the ozone, it was just, that's how you did it. So... So you were doing that stuff, and then meters and stuff like that, you know, you didn't have digital. Was was the trade – So, well, I'm going to say it's kind of a weird question because you didn't have – we didn't have social media, so we couldn't see each other what other trades did or other companies or techs did across the country like we can now. Like, you know, I watch guys on the East Coast changing out a heat exchanger on a, on a package unit. Well, I, I've never done that before. You know, here in the West Coast, you know, we don't, we got systems with no heat at all because it just, 
cooling is number one and not heat. When you were working in these small, small towns, and then you eventually got into probably other companies, but you were there 11 years, did you go, wow, we, we really did things weird. We were not doing things right. Or was that company really, for the time and in the area, um, really nailing it? Well, as far as, uh, you know, the EPA situation, no, they weren't doing it. But that wasn't really brought up till about 93, 94, I think was when I took my test. But uh, as far as a company as a whole, uh, there was two owners. One did the plumbing side and then one the HVAC side. And, uh, you know, as far as the tools, I, I can remember I had one of the black amp probes with the, just the analog needle. And, uh, I probably didn't have a digital probably for the first four years. And then I got like an, a UEI 383. I mean, that thing was like, Whoa, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, did as far you, as those two guys, they, uh, you know, they did when I left there, I was like family. Did you have uh, cell phones or anything like that? Or were you still on a beeper? Uh, we had, uh, or like cell walkie phone technology talkies. didn't really come out till right when I left. And I never did have to carry a pager. Uh, you know, they didn't really do 24 hour service. Uh, if it was, it was a deal where they'd just call me at home and be like, Hey, can you come in? But it had to be like a nursing home or something major. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back when, when I worked there in the early years, somebody's heat went out at night. They just, you know, if somebody did call them, they just told them to, sto- you know, turn their stove or oven on and open the door. I mean, they just really didn't do, um, Emergency calls, so to say, like what you would now, uh, air conditioning definitely wasn't like a real uh, emergency back then. It was, everything was, you know, dealt with Monday through Saturday. Do, do you look at stuff, well, I'm going to go back because I don't know if you answered it, but do you look at stuff the way we do things today and remember back when you were in 91, 92 and go, holy crap. I can't believe how far we come. Or do well, you, sure. or do you sometimes think, you know what? I wouldn't mind going back to ninety one. Well, I don't miss them because you know I did install. Uh, I mean, you know, this was before the cordless battery rage. Uh, so you can imagine being in a crawl space. Dragging electric drill, cords, lights. Uh, it was a lot harder back then. I mean, if I, if I could go back now and if I had the tools that I have today, my gosh, we could have uh, really you know, done jobs a lot faster. Um, I remember those days. I remember when I pulled an electric cord and then and a drill and we did everything with pan heads. Um, you'd pre-drill the hole and sink a pan head. And yep. then and then somewhere the Makita was my first battery operated drill. It was the nine volt, that really super long battery. Oh my god, the thing was freaking huge. And I got a Malco quarter inch 
nut drive for the end of my drill. There was no hammer drill. There was no impact. There was absolutely no lighting on the drills. It was just forward and backwards, and that's it. And then we were sinking everything with quarter-inch zips or quarter-inch drill points, and we thought we'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. Uh, yeah, you talk about uh, hammer drills. We had one, but my Lord, if you you let your guard down against that thing, it would break your arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't nothing like today. It was super heavy and right. And like I say, it had not much of a clutch in it. So if it got bound up, it was swinging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that battery would come back at your face. Yeah. Yeah. You know? When when you started moving up in the industry and your skill set improved, obviously money went with it. Um, were there a lot of guys watching you or were there a lot of men and women going into the trade or was the area a really hard place to get people into the trades? Well, I think it's it's still the same in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, when I look back, when I when I enrolled in at Ivy Tech, there was like eight of us that were freshly right out of high school, and there was probably another ten to fifteen guys that would come in and take this class or that class at the same time. And Mike, I'm the only one that stayed in the trade. Uh, it, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was loss of interest or just money, you know, at a factory job. I mean, you know, starting out, you know, I look back, I made peanuts. I mean, I started out the job at four dollars an hour as an eighteen. You know, I was like almost nineteen years old when I started there. Uh, you know, I don't know what that would be exactly the equivalent today, but. Um, you know, it, it was pretty, pretty lean years, the first several years learning. And, uh, but, you know, I, looking back, I mean, we, it was kind of like it is now. I mean, you, you have a few guys come and go, but there wasn't very few that stayed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, uh, you know, Indiana's, it's kind of like 50, 50, probably as far as union, non-union. So. Uh, you know, your union shops are all based out of like the bigger, bigger cities. Mm-hmm. So now you had a company truck cause you said you're about 30 miles from or 30 minutes from the shop. What was your first company truck? Uh, it was, uh, they were, they used Chevys. So it was like, uh, I'm not even sure what the model was, but it was, you know, Chevy, the Chevy vans, seemed like they stayed the same shape for for years but that's that's what it was with a chevy you have air conditioning yeah. and power steering and all that no ah. no <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna break it down so you you had a chevy van but you had no power steering uh was it a automatic or a three on the tree yeah it was automatic and no sound or maybe just am radio yes yes yeah. am so you look at do you look at the vans like I do today when a guy gets a brand new van and I'm like, holy crap, are you kidding me? CD players, backup cameras, captains chairs, you know, or no CD player and they've got you know a spot for, um, you know, they can plug their devices or Bluetooth backup cameras, 
air conditioning. I'm like, my gosh, they are, they're getting even nicer than some of my personal cars. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I can remember the days of, you know, being out changing compressor or a, even a condenser fan motor right in the sun, you know, being 95 degrees out and you get in the van finally and, you know, there's no way to really cool off. I mean, you, uh, it was just miserable. But you turn your wind vents in. A lot of guys don't know about wing, you know, wing vents. And I would turn my wing vents in and point them towards me and drive home having, here in California, having 105 degree air blasting on my face through the wing vents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember the wing vents. So stupid. It was such a dumb window, but it was the only way to get air into the truck or yeah. into the van. My first truck was a 63 Chevy pickup. Um, three on the tree and it had a spring clutch. So you're pushing down on that spring. Like my left leg would be cramping if I had to sit in bumper to bumper traffic because it was no, not automatic. And it had a ladder rack and a cross box and it was a rolling POS. Now I, I would love to have it today because obviously the age and it was vintage and stuff, but that's what I had. And, and, and I remember my, I didn't take care of it like I do now. I didn't understand, you know, I, I have a saying, which is take pride in your ride. And I learned that in, or, or on, at the first company that I worked for, take pride in your ride. Is there anything that you still remember doing that you carry with you today? Well, the whole organization, I mean, you know, I think back to then, every time we got a new van, uh, probably the last several I was involved in building the shelves, you know, they didn't come with the shelf packages or at least that's not, we didn't get them. Uh, we built, you know, custom plywood, wood shelves in them. Uh, so, I mean, I can think back of, you know, why, you know, everything had a purpose. Uh, you know, the trucks weren't really overloaded with like what tools and pack outs that you would have nowadays. But, uh, you know, there was still a big assortment of parts and still, you know, different areas for tools. Um, but yeah, hmm. yeah, I, I can, I can relate back to, back to when it was and, and, uh, everything like that. So as we move forward in your career, you spent 11 years, 11 and a half years, I think with that other company. And then you did you move to the company that you're at now? Uh, I moved was there, to. Was there somebody? Bloom- was there something in between? There was something in between. I moved to Bloomington, which is uh, probably an hour the opposite way from Seymour, and I stayed another two years. Uh, you know, they were paying for you know. I didn't drive a company truck home, but they paid for my fuel. Uh, but it just got to be just such a long drive every night and every morning. So I ended up finding a company in the Bloomington area that I was living in at the time. And uh, I worked there probably for a little over two years, about two and a half years. Uh, you know, it was... A little different working in a bigger city. Uh, Bloomington's a little bigger than Seymour. Uh, you know, it's a college town. 
So a little, you know, quite a, a lot more commercial buildings. Um, and then my present job, you know, I've been with it for a little over 16 years now. So Now, we talked a little bit yesterday and a little bit this morning that as you moved on into careers and changes, you were doing air conditioning, heating, oil heat, I'm sure, because that's still popular. And then you got into the job you're at now doing refrigeration. You're, you're, um, you're doing restaurant work for a, a multi-site restaurant chain. And tell us about that experience, going from what you were doing before to a restaurant to where now you're doing hot side, cold side. You're doing, you know, refrigeration, ice machines, HVAC, the and and all of the opportunities that abound in different parts of the trade. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to when I worked for the first company. I mean, I was, I did a lot of plumbing as far as like uh, a lot of new construction. I would go out because I was really good at reading prints, and there's not too many people that could work with the main owner. Uh, he was. You know, I know you talked on some podcasts about um, journeymen treating their apprentices rough. Well, uh, this guy, he was he was really hard to work with. Uh, you know, I developed probably uh, the only one that he really wanted to work with, which was unfortunate for me because I wanted to get away from him every day. But uh, he really taught me hard work. Uh, you know, I look back at a lot of the things that I've, I learned and still carry today is from him. But uh, I got a lot of experience in the plumbing while I worked there. Also the HVAC side, a little bit of refrigeration. Uh, I did do some grocery store. We did some rack work. And then as you're always wanting to grow when you're young, I actually uh, got my electrician's license and we started doing a, you know, started a little bit of electrical division there too. And then fast forward to the second company, it was mainly just like commercial, a lot of residential. And then what I do now, uh, you know, I, the food side, it really didn't have any, much any experience at all. And, and that's what I try to tell people that are thinking about getting into the HVAC business. Uh, trade, you know, once you learn HVAC work, you can do so many things and you can learn to troubleshoot. You can pretty much work on about anything, really. So the hot side of the food service was really easy to kind of pick up on. So I do, you know, the commercial HVAC, like say the, like you said, the refrigeration side. I uh, work on a lot of ice machines, a lot of coolers, freezers, stand-ups, small little breach ends. Uh, I do take care of pretty much all our electrical work also. Uh, and that could be you know, anything from all three-phase power that we are working on to uh, all kinds of different things. I, you know, I talked to you today, I was actually out on a job finishing up a project I'd been working on. So uh, I had to kind of move this to later in the day. But, uh, but yeah, 
just I've got a big realm of experience from it, and I'm really thankful that I've had every opportunity. I I get questions a lot, and you you may do too. I'm not sure, and they'll come to me through Instagram chat or Facebook or Messenger. And they're young guys, young young men and women, who are saying, I'm doing residential air conditioning or I'm doing commercial air conditioning and I have an opportunity to go into refrigeration for another company. I'm going to learn more, might make some more money, might not, but I'm going to be learning more. Was it hard for you, for me, Well, and from my experience, I struggled a little bit going from HVAC into refrigeration because the controls were a little different. But then I realized, like, between refrigeration and HVAC, they're very similar. Was it hard for you to pick up refrigeration? Um, And if it wasn't hard for you, do you recommend it to somebody who's thinking about it? Uh, It was pretty easy for me to pick up. Uh, As far as recommending, you know, the biggest thing, and I think this is the biggest thing with any service tech. You've got to have confidence because when you start second guessing yourself, uh, that's when you're really going to struggle. I mean, you've got to have the confidence. Uh, you've got to use your skill set. I mean, as far as, you know, you were a tech, you know, you, you've got to stick to what you know. And, you know, the worst thing a service tech can do is start, you know, going the parts changing route uh you know like you say the refrigeration cycle is it's a lot like an air conditioner but there are different components but all in all if you could work on air conditioning you can learn to be a refrigeration mechanic um where it gets really confusing is the rack systems and the, the larger stuff that's that's where you need to have a little bit of experience before you jump into that yeah, I, I did that. I went from a job at a hospital and was there eight years and then went to work for Source, which is now CoolSys, uh, nationwide CoolSys, but at the time it was Source. And I had never been in a rack room. And oh my God, I went into a rack room with a journeyman that's now a really good friend of mine, lives here in Phoenix. And it took him a few months to go, that's the compressor. I'm like, I got that. He's like, well, this is this, and this is the subcooler, and this is how the subcooler works, and this is hot gas defrost, and this is the ORIT, and the SORIT, and blah, 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 blah. And I was, I, all of a sudden, there were words and terminology coming at me that I had never heard before. Would oh, you, absolutely. would you, if somebody was saying or thinking to themselves, I want to get into their supermarkets, I know my answer. Would you recommend them start doing self-contains and smaller stuff? Or do you like, dude, throw caution to the wind and just go get it and go right into racks? Well, I would hope they might start out small or, you know, depends on their experience, I guess. Uh, If they're going to get into racks, my biggest thing is when I talk to people is, you know, it kind of goes back to that old saying you hear, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. If you don't like to do this kind of work or you don't want to work over 40 hours, getting into wrecks probably is not, you're not going to be banker's hours. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, that's probably the one thing that has the biggest emergency base, you know, 
fast as you can get to is probably in our trade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody thinks their air conditioner is super important, and it is. Your customer is, but you know, grocery stores. My gosh, seconds is money. I mean, it's you know, every minute you wait uh, could cost thousands of dollars. Yeah, I mean when when I was working in Vegas for for Source. And the the rack would go down, or in some cases it was a one-on-one system, a condensing unit to a lineup, and that lineup would go down. I think like the ice cream cases would be five hundred thousand dollars in product, or yeah. you know the meat lineup would have hundreds of thousands of dollars in meat. Um, yeah, every every minute counts. I think what you said is true because a lot of people will say to me. Um, I'm thinking about going into markets. You know, what are the downfalls? The only downfall I had was the time because it was so emergency based. It was one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock, and then you wouldn't get home for 24 hours, you know, or 20 hours or 16. You were gone from, you know, late at night until like late at night. Um, that's the number one I tell people all the time about markets. Like just, be prepared to not stare at the clock because the clock will kill you. Yeah, absolutely agree. So you're in the you're doing supermarkets now, or not supermarkets now? You're doing restaurants, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So within the restaurant, you're doing everything: refrigeration, hot side, cold side, fryers, all of that. Yeah. Is it something that you like? I mean, it, I know it's a dumb question. Oh, Mike, I've been there sixteen years. Yeah, but I mean. Is it something that you like or is there a part of the trade that you look at now because of social media and think, I'd really love to do that? Well, you know, if I was going to do something different, it probably would be pursue, you know, to do large projects. Uh, you know, I enjoy when I have an install here or there. Uh, you know, I probably my biggest one thing I love to do would be controls. I really like to do in controls. Um, I picked up on that pretty, pretty easy. Uh, but you know, I enjoy what I do now because it's such a variance. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. every day it's either, uh, you know, it's a refrigeration or HVAC or, mm-hmm. uh, I got it. I got it. So let's let's change the subject and talk about something we both like. You especially. Let's talk tools. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here we go. So you, you you took some crap recently. Maybe not crap. You had some questions. You laid out all your tools. You cleaned everything out of the tool bag. You laid them all out on a towel or on the garage floor or wherever it was at. And you started getting questions from people like, why do you have so many tools? And I was surprised that that question was asked because to me it's like, one, none of your business, and two, I just, you know, it could be just I like tools. But were you surprised at that? Like how many people wanted to know why you had so many tools? Well, no. Uh, this is actually the second year that I've done that. Uh, you know, if you go to Klein Tools, like their um, the little Facebook group they have, which it's on IG too, but uh, the picture that has 
about the large same amount of tools on a blue tarp is my picture. So, uh, you know, Klein posted that again not too long ago on their main website. And, you know, you know, this guy's a thief. He must have stole all those tools. I mean, it was just one comment after another. And, you know, I laugh about that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, looking back, uh, Klein Tools probably was like the most accessible, accessible tools that you could get uh, that were quality. I mean, when I first started out, uh, I used Craftsman. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad had, you know, had bought me a Craftsman uh, socket set, screwdrivers, some wire cutters. I, I bought my first pair of snips. They were Craftsman brand. Well, then when Sears kind of went out, then it was, you know, look for a different version of tool. And, you know, at that time, a lot of the guys on job sites, the electricians had Klein tools. And, you know, that was kind of the direction I went. And then... You know, as you're young, I, I did some side work, so I had a whole second complete set of tools. And then in 2018, I was uh, Klein Tools Electrician of the Year regional winner for, I think it's like a seven-state area in my region. It was Region 3, uh, which was a really cool opportunity and deal. Uh, but I won a lot of tools from that. And then I've got a lot of credit at the end as a prize, and I bought more tools. So that's where a lot of those came. And uh, but yeah, if you look at it, it looks like I've got a lot of tools. But one but of the things that I well, I wanted, I wanted to before we move on, and I tell this, and 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 I I commented to you, which you agreed, and that is text. All techs, plumbing, refrigeration, electrical, whatever it is. You need to periodically clean out your van or your workshop or wherever. If they're your personal tools, lay them out on a tarp and take lots of pictures. And then save those pictures on your laptop or your computer or print them out and put them in a vault or a safe or whatever. Because if your tools are stolen, having pictures along with the list is huge because you'll actually get a full reimbursement instead of a partial reimbursement. And so, um, which you said that you do, you actually, that was the second time you did that, which was to inventory your tools for insurance purposes. Yeah, I've actually, and then that's, you know, that's, that's the client tool brand that I have. I mean, I've got, uh, quite a few Milwaukee, uh, drills, impacts, different, you know, oscillating tools, skill saws. I mean, and then I've got a lot of other brand name tools. Uh, you know, I actually kind of jumped off the Klein bandwagon. Nothing against Klein. They make great tools. And, I, you know, I'll always be a lover of their tools. But I started using Weehaw tools quite a bit. And, uh, you know, thanks to Instagram. You know, whenever, whenever I joined up on the what I would call my work account is the Hoosier HVAC art. I mean, Mike really, our, our supply house here in Indiana is local from Indy down. I mean, there's one in, in the town I work in. They're so far behind on what's really coming out there. Uh, I didn't really start learning about what 
so many new tools there was on the market till I got on Instagram. Uh, you know, I take a lot of tools that uh, you know I get from Subco or buy from different and in there and be like, hey, you guys need to start stocking these. And they're like, well, yeah, I've never seen them. Um, you know, the solder well products, I have preached to try to get them in this area. Uh, you know, there's just so many things that uh, on the, you know, our, our HVAC community that uh, it's a blessing in disguise being, being a part of it. But are there tools that you owned or maybe that you saw without naming names? that you kind of looked at and went, Dave loves tools, but I don't need that. Well, or, there's... Or did there's you go tools. out and buy everything? Yeah, I went out and bought everything. I mean, it... <laughs> uh, you know, I bought that Subco, and I made several posts about the MFD-10. And, you know, the biggest feedback I got that was harsh was... Well, my field piece can do that. Or, you know, there's other meters that can test capacitors. Well, that is true. You know, up until probably a little over a year ago, I used the same Fluke 333 I'd used for 15 years. Uh, you know, it didn't have that option on there. So, you know, buying that little capacitor tester, uh, you know, I'd check capacitors without it all the years I've been in the trade, but, you know, I thought it was a handy tool that worked well, that was reliable, that, you know, biggest thing I think was scare techs or kids, anybody that's thinking about getting into the trade, if they get on Instagram and they see all these tools that we have, they're going to think there's no way I can even get involved in the trade. There's no way I can afford the tools. Which is, like for me, people laugh because oh, you're the you're the AC guy. I'm like, yeah, you probably get tons of tools. I'm like, yeah, I get them over at at Harbor Freight, and I get them. Like I'm not, I am by no means somebody who, if you open up their tool bag, and it looks like a rainbow of colors, like a Skittles package, you know, I end up going to to Lowe's and buying Cobalt, and and I like their stuff. It works. It, it's not a name brand, and but then I'm I'm stuck on some some specific stuff that I just like to have. You know, I like the field piece. I love my flukes. Um, I like the uh, I love the meters that Subco has. Um, you know, I've got you know I love the solder weld stuff for brazing aluminum, especially when solder weld showed up on the market. Like I want to think like three or four years ago. I mean, they showed we they came to our shop and we did an Instagram live and nobody had heard of of solder weld then, you know, and here we are taking a, here's a dumbass taking a, uh, a handful of hot block and a torch to his hand. It was the dumbest thing ever. Cause we had never done it before, but now I can't imagine not having, you know, hot block and having the stuff we have, but I've bought a lot of tools that were like, that was so dumb. I should have never owned, bought that. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah there is. There's uh I think I get yeah, suckered in at the parts house. You know, when I get to like United Refrigeration or, you know, a place like that and I'll stand at the counter and they've got all those uh, impulse buy things. Like I'll buy a light and then 
three weeks later, the magnet breaks or it falls off or the light goes dead and burns out, even though the batteries are good. And I'm like, man, I got suckered into that light. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been there and done that. That's that's for sure. And I'll keep doing it. it th- that's the bad part. I'll get suckered into another light because I'll be standing at the counter. I'm like, man, I think I could use that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Meter-wise, we I get the Kleins. How are you on meters? Do you have a specific or are the Supco? The Supco meter is is a fantastic because you can check everything. Are are you into the Bluetooth technology? Do you use a lot of uh, like the field piece probes and stuff like that? Do you use those? Yeah, I just got the uh, SmartLink uh, set probably. I want to say in May. So I'm using those. Uh, I think they're awesome. I mean, you know, I was an analog guy up until then. And I once in a while, I'll still grab a set of analogs. You know, if I'm working on some refrigeration stuff, I mean, you don't, you know, I was taught a while back, you don't put the gauges on, the hoses on, unless you really need to. I mean, the what I carried around probably most of the last five years is just a little stubby gauge. Right. So, uh, you know, I think the smart probes are awesome. Uh, it's amazing. The kit that field piece has, uh, even with their manometer set, I've got those, um, you know, I, I've got a fluke 902 that I'd bought. Um, uh, you talk about impulse bad buys. Uh, I, before I bought the 902, I bought the, that fluke that had the, what was it, the sense? Oh, the touchless, touchless volts and amps. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a great meter, but you pretty much have to touch a ground, you know, the black lead to the ground to, to be able to do that. It, or it worked that way for me. I, I love fluke. So if anybody listens for fluke, I love fluke. I, and I, I do too. And I and I got that meter to test for free. They sent it to me, and I and I tested it. And um, for the air conditioning side of it, it didn't do what I wanted it to do, which was be really amazingly versatile. And I could see if I was working as an electrician in a plant somewhere to be able to do touch, touchless volts and amps, like on a big transformer you know, or something like that, or a big panel to be able to do a touchless reading. But what I didn't like about it was I had a hard time with the ground tab on the back and people would be like, oh, you need to lick your finger and then touch it. I'm like, what? Like, what (laughs) What do you mean I need to lick my finger and then touch it? I'm like, that's almost sounds as bad as, well, you just lick your finger and touch the lug. No, I'm going to die. Like, that's not right. Um, yeah, I kind of with you on that. And then I ended up giving the meter away to a tech that I thought would really use it, and he doesn't use it at all. Mm. I don't know. It was just weird. I mean, it's just kind of weird. I'm with you about the gauge part. I don't like to get, to gauge up. Are you a digital tech with gauges, or do you like compounds? Or do you use uh, both? I, I, I went from the analog compound directly to the uh, smart probe set. Uh, I, I went back and forth on what digitals to get and I, 
you know, I just never did pull the trigger. Um, because, I mean, you know, I, I could deal with, you know, figure the superheat and everything on my own. Uh, you know, I'd used analogs for so long. I, uh, but now that, you know, I bought the smart probe set, uh, the job link set from Field Piece, I mean, it, it is amazing that how quick you come up with everything. Well, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and I, I went from compounds and then I loaned out my compounds to somebody and I don't even know where they're at now. I think somebody's keeping them. They probably peed on them and marked them as theirs and I'll never get them back. But I have the field piece, the S-mans, the original S-mans, and, and I love them. Like I didn't think I would. It really helped my diagnostic time and speed it up. But when techs, young techs come to me and say, should I get probes or digital? I tell them to go to compounds. Like learn the old ways because if your batteries go dead or your phone isn't working or like here in the desert, the phones get so hot they shut off and they overheat, like you still have to understand how to work off of compounds. And then when you understand compounds, then you can move up and start getting into digitals. And a lot of the, a lot of the guys are like, oh, you're full of crap. Do you feel that way or do you think young guys should start out digital? Uh. You know, I think they probably should start out just with the an, you know, the analog compounds. Just honestly, mm-hmm. you know, just for the money, it right. uh, you're probably going to damage your first set because you're not really careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, most most young techs are honestly kind of like bulls in china shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've uh, I had a fluke once that got dropped off of a rooftop uh, just by a young guy. I wasn't really paying attention and uh i kind of tell the techs the same thing i but you know what i don't you know i i love them we need the apprentices i treat them with respect i see these memes about oh the apprentices and president and and i can't relate to it because i make sure that when we have apprentices come in that they get treated as an equal because i want them to learn because they're the future of the trade but you know i tell really young apprentices that are sometimes when i talk at trade schools, like buy compounds first because you need to learn how to work around your truck or your van. Like there's a way to work around the van. There's a way to climb up a ladder. There's a way to rope up your tools. You know, there's a way that you're going to work if you have a service body of, of opening the drawers and loading the tools and keeping them safe. Like you've got to learn that. So you might as well learn it with a hundred $100 pair of compounds or an $80 pair of compounds over, you know, a $500 digital gauge. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, when I really think, you know, my biggest thing I feel like, uh, is a gut feeling. I mean, I, if I have a gut feeling that, Hey, this, you know, yes, this unit's running, but it's probably going to fail. Nine times out of ten, if I would leave, I'll get called back that it's failed. And I think that takes a while to develop that skill. Uh, I think your, you know, your eyes, your hands, um, you know, those are the the biggest tools you have. And you know, I don't. Some of the younger guys, I don't want to get caught up in thinking buying fancy tools is going to make the job easier. It, it some some instances it is, but like you said, there's uh, 
you don't have to have the fancy tools to do the job. It makes it a little easier, but, you know, it's not like, honestly, a lot of those fancy tools I didn't have until I got on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the the horrible thing is we're going to have to do a part two. We're already at 52 minutes. Okay. And so we're going to, we didn't even talk about the other stuff. We got more to talk about vacuum pumps, torches, recovery units, microns, all that stuff. So we're going to have to do a part two. You got just about a minute. Is there anybody, anything you want to tell anybody a word of advice in one minute? Uh, you know, my biggest thing I stand by is, and what I tell my guys that work under me is, you know, uh, just do the job right the first time. That's, that's really, you know, that's, that's a coin phrase around here by the union companies. And, and that's kind of what I follow too. Just do it, do the job right. Uh, just do it right the first time. Well, and, and for me, it's the same thing that I end every podcast with, which is like just, you know, there's people out there that need some love and hugs. It could be a neighbor. It could be a parent. It could be a friend, especially during COVID times and stuff. Just, you know, reach out to folks, give them some attention, give them some love and let them know that they're important, that you're thinking about them. That's the biggest thing. Uh, lastly, you know, work safe, be safe, be good humans. And again, I want to really, really think, and there's a sponsor that I didn't, but we kind of got around. We'll talk more about it next time. And that is NAVAC. NAVAC's got some fantastic tools, including the NRDD recovery unit. They've got some new compound gauges out that are insane with, uh, have, uh, the manifold has four ball valves, like a, a ball valve type setup. Instead of having to turn the handles, you just turn uh, a ball valve on the, on the manifold. That's insane. Um, and again, Subco, uh, tools invented by Tex for Tex, and you can get that through the Subco Trade Fox and Subco.com. Um, also want to thank Choice Refrigerants, the makers of R421A. It's a drop-in uh, replacement to R22. No oil changes are needed. Um, and you can find out about them at choicerefrigerants.com. Of course, Interplay Learning, the best online, digital online training anywhere. And you can get a hold of them at interplaylearning.com. Subco, Navac, man, we got it all. We got it all. So go out and, and see these folks, buy their products, see what they're about. I think you're going to love it. If you need to get a hold of me, you can do so through uh, email at hvacreeferguy at gmail.com. And of course, if you find me on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, be sure to subscribe and leave a comment and give a rating. It really does help me out a lot with uh, getting the podcast out to folks. Of course, these podcasts are 100% unedited and raw. Uh, this is number 64 for the year. Next year in January will be season two. And we'll keep on going and we'll be having some fun. So again, work safe, be safe. Thanks, Dave. And you can find me at Hoosier, H-O-O-S-I-E-R underscore H-V-A-C-R on uh, Instagram. And if you have any questions, you can get a hold of him there. He loves Klein Tools and loves talking about them. And uh, until next time, we'll see you soon. And thanks again. And uh, Merry Christmas and hope you guys have a happy new year.